0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. A super fun show today with Adam Wood, one of the best creators on the internet, especially in, in video content on YouTube, especially, but also on TikTok and Instagram, especially for people who are in the sub-elite to elite running space. He does a great job of uh, just showing the journey, which has been an absolutely fantastic thing to watch from afar. I couldn't wait to talk to him. He's had an incredible year and a half after graduating from BYU, getting into the marathon. So a college steeplechaser, getting into the marathon as a non-professional runner. So I think there's a lot of things to take from this episode in terms of what he learned along the way. The lessons he learned and how we can apply all of those to our own running. And he's just a fabulous guy. This was so much fun, so entertaining. Make sure you go check him out on YouTube, especially. So much good stuff. All the links to uh, his Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok are going to be in the show notes. Before we get there, all the CIM content here this past week and next week as well is presented to you by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com today to check out all of their amazing footwear and deals. Nova Blast 4 is out. It just came out at this point, what, 10 days ago. That shoe was fantastic. I've had every single version of the Nova Blast since it came out about four or five years ago. I've loved them all. and In fact, this one is also really, really good. Make sure you go check out Asics.com today. Check out all their great stuff. And I can't recommend the Nova Blast 4 strongly enough. Also, Nova Blast 3 is on sale. Might want to pick up both of those. They're both fantastic. But let's get into it with Adam Wood.
1: All right, Adam Wood, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on.
0: My pleasure. It's a, I mean, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm someone who loves watching your videos. Over on YouTube, you do a great job of sharing your running journey, especially over the past year or so. It has been just so much fun to watch you along the way as a college athlete turned marathoner, which is not something that we see all the time. And it really has been fun to watch. And you do such a great job of chronicling it you've done four marathons this year with the goal of getting the otq while we always want everyone to reach their goals you also sometimes learn a lot when things don't quite go our way and so i could wait to give you get you on the podcast today and i actually had a chance to see you run in person my man i didn't share this with you while we were kind of shooting back and forth but i was working the 14 and 15 aid stations at the mccurdy micro marathon that you were at two months ago
1: okay that's awesome so I, i was still on pace at that point in the race when you saw me then huh? well
0: you were this that's the thing is like as you know like it's just laps and laps and laps and laps so you're like so who's yeah. on pace who's not right you see yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. you see the pacer but at the same time you don't know like how much of a um, you know how much of a a window they're trying to provide the people running with them, right? They're probably not running the perfect pace. They're probably usually having like that 30 second window, right? So you have like this swarm of people and then like the people kind of falling off the back, especially later on the race. And you're never quite sure, like, wait, is this person still in it or not in it? And it's hard to tell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, that McCurdy race was, it was a well put together race. I thought, I thought it like water stations, all that was just perfect and good, good, good event that happened. So,
0: that's for sure. Alright, so people who don't know you, you ran at BYU, you put a lot of content over on um, on, on Instagram and on TikTok, and I love yourself on YouTube as well. Where are you living right now? So people you know, get to know you a little bit more if they don't already know.
1: Yeah, so I'm living in Harriman, Utah, that's about like 30 ish minutes south of Salt Lake. So um, and it's about 20 minutes away from Provo. So um, that's where BYU is. And that's where some of uh, some professional runners are Connor Mance and Clayton Young. So I get to link up with them every so often as well. So,
0: and Salt Lake City is turning into quite the trail and ultra running hotbed as well. So, a good friend of mine, Finn Melanson, is based out of there, and a lot of people have been on the show live live there as well. What's the, what's the Salt Lake City, or I, I said in your case, like kind of like the greater Salt Lake City running community, like in terms of like the the road scene, the trail scene, and just like the combination of both, because again, they're not mutually exclusive.
1: Yeah, it's honestly, it's crazy. Utah, especially Salt Lake area is one of the best places to run in the United States. I think it competes with Flagstaff. I think it competes with Boulder and you know, all the other places that people like to talk about because um, there's just a lot of runners here and a lot of good runners as well. You know, um, we got some good professional marathoners out here. We got, you know, people who are killing the trails. I just, I think that everything is just so like easily accessible here in Utah, especially trail wise. You can drive 30 minutes and there's tons of trails that you can run and um you know they all vary in difficulty and and stuff. There's mountains you can summit and you know we got we have good collegiate teams here as well. Um and so I just better than good man. Better than good.
0: You guys are crushing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so I just think the combination of all that just makes just running a huge thing here. And it's been pretty awesome to see because um you know everybody's been linking up and running with each other and so it's really turned into kind of like a welcoming community of, you know, everybody of all ability levels, which is nice.
0: And Salt Lake is one of the rare cities, and I struggled even to come up with any, like, obvious examples where you can go from, like, legitimately downtown in a city environment to running up mountains very quickly. Like, no car needed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I think, like, there's, like, the shoreline trail. It's, like, you can be in Salt Lake City, and jog 10 minutes and you'll be running up a mountain like in no time. So, uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's it makes training here very like fun and um, you know, it's not the same thing. There's a variety here for sure. So, I like I like training here a lot.
0: Right. So, Marcus spent a lot of time on your college career, but you ran at BYU, one of the best programs in the country, one of the best programs for a long time in the country, not just on the men's side, but also on the women's side. Right? G. Mm-hmm. Taylor and i Stone are two icons in the game and for good reason. So you come from that. Utah, as we've already kind of laid out, has a really good running scene in general. So post-college, what was it like for you determining how, when, and if running was going to be part of your life? Because it wasn't simply like a yes or no question. There's a lot of variables. There's a lot of choices from a, a training perspective. Do I start going trail? There's a lot of people like you who are steeplechasers who've gone to trail and done exceptionally well. And considering where you're located, that was obviously... A potential option for you. So, can you just walk me through, and maybe this even started before you graduated, but just the thought process as you were leaving college and entering post-college running life?
1: Yeah, I think my like mindset going into um, you know graduating, and this is just a product of you know being in high school and like the system is so structured, and then going into the NCAA where the system is also like so structured, and so graduating, I always just assume like listen like if I'm not good enough to go pro like if I'm not getting any contracts or anything like that I'll probably just you know hang up the spikes hang up the running shoes you know move on and you know just you know not really worry about running in in that aspect just because I thought like the NCAA is the pinnacle is what was in my head and so it's like there's no real place to go but down from the NCAA and I was I was I now know that I'm wrong um but I had some friends you know. Connor and Rory, people who have graduated and they're professional runners, but they've experienced, you know, road racing and, and all different types of things. And they said, Adam, like running is so much more than the NCAA, like you should just see what it has to offer outside before you like finally decide to make that decision. And honestly, like I love running. And so I was never really serious about, you know, being done with it. I just think I was, you know, just sad that, you know, it was the end of an era, you know, um, with my collegiate career and stuff like that. But yeah, all I needed was someone to say, Hey, like you should give it a shot. And, you know, I did. And the marathon just kind of seemed like the next logical step, just because there's a lot of people here in Utah training for marathons. So, um, it just seemed like I'd have people to train with and, and yeah, it just made sense at that point. So
0: I can't wait to dive into the marathon side of this before we get there. You know, it, it, it is interesting with people coming from programs like, BYU, in the Michigans of the world, Notre Dame, and you know UNC, right? These high-level programs with a ton of history in terms of, like, the, the seemingly almost, like, polarized decision. Like, I'm either a sponsored elite runner or I'm not running, right? So, like, obviously you're, like, aware of runners, like, who came before you in the program, who didn't become a professional runners. What was like the legacy of that? Like, Did you look at people who maybe you view as a potential peer and maybe not someone who's like the Clayton Youngs, the Connor Mansons of the world, or the Rory's who are like, this person is like, boom, contract, elite. Whereas like you have this next step down, not in terms of ability, but maybe in terms of like college career status leading to a, a contract. Like what is like the things that you would talk to, like some of your, you know your your college peers, whether they were at BYU or at uh, other programs that you competed with about that kind of middle ground of you're still potentially running very, very well, but maybe it's not like at that tip of the spear like you were at in college
1: yeah, I think that I mean someone that comes to mind um is Connor Weaver. he was a teammate with me at BYU. he you know grad transferred to Utah State and then literally he finished uh, regionals NCAA 10k. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, he went and ran uh, grandma's marathon. And his very first marathon, I think he ran 215. And it was crazy. And it was awesome Oof. to see. But he, you know, he didn't qualify at nationals that year. And he wasn't really like in the hunt for any sponsorships, or anything like that. And so when I saw him do that, that was I had just graduated with him, we just both were done. And I was like, dang, that's really exciting. That's something that, you know, you can be proud of and i just and it's yeah i just they always people always told me the advice is you should just do what is fun and what excites you and that's like that is definitely a change from like the ncaa system because you know it's you're getting scholarship you're a student you know it's like very uh it's very rigid you know and 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 you're part
0: of a team right so if there's like there's five people running the mile you're like well we need you at the steeple if we want to win this meet like it's not just about your own personal race selection.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. And so um yeah, I just think that they were like you should just if you want to and it excites you, you should do it. And yeah, again, I didn't I didn't need much convincing. As soon as I saw like oh, there's something cool that's exciting, that is like going to be kind of like a stretch goal for me, like a hard thing to do and um you know, still provides that like structure and the chase of running the throw the chase and all that stuff. I I mean, I was hooked and and uh, I mean, now I'm I'm thinking I'm a for life right now. So, yeah,
0: I love it. So what about the BYU, BYU program or the coaches within it or just like the teammates that you have allowed you to kind of springboard right into the post-college running life where we see so many athletes in the same situation, at least same situation from afar, it may appear to be similar, come out of college track and field to be like, dude, I am done like I am I don't want to do this for a while if ever again obviously that was not the experience that you had nor some of your college teammates so it's hard to talk about obviously other programs that you weren't a part of but as much as you know what about your experience at BYU either physically mentally and or emotionally lent itself to the continuation of running post-college
1: I think that um well first of all the way we're trained we're I just think that it's a very kind of sustainable way. And, it, and I think it just transitions well to the marathon. Um, and so when you have a group of guys who, you know, graduate, don't get a contract, and then they go to the marathon, you're already thinking like, okay, maybe that's like something I can do. And like, you know, you have Connor Mance and you have Coach Eyestone or Coach Ison who trains Connor Mance and they're in Provo locally, right? And Coach Ison, he welcomes anybody to come work out with Mance and Mance is like inviting everybody to his long runs. It doesn't matter how fast you are or anything like that. And so you look at that and you're like, oh, this is, this is kind of an option for me. Whereas um, I wonder if other programs don't necessarily have kind of like a pipeline that's already you know, created for them, right? It's like I graduated and I already knew who I could train with if I wanted to. I do not really have to worry about, oh, like, you know, who am I going to run with? How is this going to work? You know, and um, I think that helps a lot. I think that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it because if I was at some other school, in another state and didn't necessarily have these people who are already doing what I wanted to do, I I wouldn't even know where to start, to be honest. And so I think that it helps that we have um, a good team with a bunch of people who like to run. And so, you know, it's just kind of like a path is laid out for you if you choose to take it. And I think it makes it an easier decision. How about just
0: from the day to day? Like how much of having a social environment around you in your running life? How important is that? And I guess I also can rope in your wife here too, who ran at Utah, uh, Utah state. And is still like pursuing her own running stuff and not at the marathon, but at shorter distances. But how much does the social piece weigh in
1: if at all? Yeah, I mean, the social piece is huge. Um, I just, I think it helps to have someone to um, talk with about it. And it's like when you're on a college team, most of your socializing is with your teammates and it's on runs. And that's just the fact of the matter, right? You know, you go, to, you go to classes, you're doing your exams and stuff like that. But I mean, day in, day out, every day, you're with people who are like-minded, who like to run, who share the same passions and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, it would probably be pretty, it'd probably be harder socially to just be done with running after college because then you got you to gotta go into the real world and, um, you know, find people who aren't necessarily as nerdy um about running as as you are and so um and i mean that's why me and my wife we click together so well too is because we're both nerds we're both super passionate about running and stuff so you know we talk training we talk professional runners like it's pretty cool it's pretty cool like a good vacation for us would be to go watch a big meet or something like that and that would be like the pinnacle of something that would be really fun for us which most people don't wouldn't have so
0: you're gonna spend, spend your spring watching peyton jordan yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Going probably, to Stanford,
1: here we probably, go. Probably, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the Olympic trials or the Pre fontaine Like, that would be, like, awesome. And, yeah, we're nerds like that.
0: So, all right. So, this was going to be a question for the end, but I have to ask it now because we were we already built in. As running nerds, as someone who, like, again, has been thinking about this for a while, are you going to go to the Olympic trials? This, I mean, the, the marathon trials, I should say.
1: I really want to because I, I mean, I'm going to have teammates there and. I mean, it's going to be awesome to watch. And, you know, I think that like the goal is to get there, but, um, you know, I still think it'd be fun to support and I want to, I want to, and it's in Florida and it, it will be warmer than it is in Utah for sure. And, and I'll actually be able to go there and relax a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're thinking about it. We're definitely thinking about it.
0: Right. And as obviously not me, not reaching your goals can be a heartbreaking experience, especially if you're really close to them. Um, it's one thing to like not get anywhere close to your goals. It's like ah, I, I can handle that. Right. Yeah. It's like the blowout loss sometimes is easier to deal with than the, than the close loss. But with that being said, obviously I would think I would guess timeline is part of this too. Like you have plenty more cycles potentially in the future. Again, not that we shouldn't absorb the moment for what it is, but it's not as if like you're, you know, 46 year old runner. Who's like, I'm not sure there's another cycle ahead of me. Like I'm kind of, I don't know if I can go watch this in person.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird, because, again, like from from the NCAA from the college system, it's like you have things just seem a lot closer, right? And it's just like, Oh, yeah, there's nationals next year, or like, Oh, okay, cross country nationals, six months later, we got track nationals. So there's always like, something big to be working towards. And it's weird now being, you know, you know, finishing the going out of the Olympic trials window, and being like, Okay, well, like, there'll be other marathons in the future and there'll be other stuff. And I'll want to run really fast at that, but it's weird not having like a nationals type thing to like immediately look towards. And honestly, I think this is, I think it's a good thing for me because I think that I tend to, I get like hyper-focused and hyper-fixated on, on things. And so I think it'll be good to kind of, um, you know, just relax a little bit. Right. And not necessarily have to always be searching for the next big, big thing. Right. And I think I'll be able to be more, process oriented and that kind of stuff you know
0: now i'd love to know about the the approach post-college if it changed at all during college the the distances you've run the the races you run are very different but just how you're approaching training if it changed and how just your proximity to professional runners may have influenced any of that and not even necessarily just on the men's side so your coach is roy linklater you mentioned Connor Mance several times. There's a bunch of you know um, pro runners and high level runners who come from the BYU men's program and the women's program, right? The women's program has been just if not more successful in terms of putting out pro runners as well, and they are still around the team. You know, Diligie has a, has a core group that she works with. So, overall, what's been your relation to the professional side or the post college side, and how have you taken to that and maybe altered, if at all, your approach to running?
1: Yeah, I think that honestly I don't think I altered it too much just because um you know I it's pretty similar at least what we were doing in college to the professional esque training and I think that's kind of what I found myself doing was the um just professional professional training, the cycles, the workouts and how everything is structured throughout the week. I just was kind of the same, right? It, it's the same as kind of like what Rory's doing and what Mance is doing just because, you know, I'm going to link up with these guys. And so it just makes sense, right? And I think that um, that's probably something I'm going to change a little bit, just because, you know, these guys are professional runners, but they, their job is to run, right? I'm, I'm trying to do that. And also, you know, work and, and do all that other stuff that they might not necessarily have to um, worry about. And I think that that is something that um, affected me, right? I think, I've been, I worked in a hospital for a little bit and working 12 hour shifts on my feet. And it's like, okay, well, I got a double, I got to do a 12 mile medium long run. Like I got all these things that I got to do. And it's just like, I think that I just didn't factor in the like work aspect of how that's going to affect me like physiologically and all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, you know, I think there'll be, I think I'll be changing that just, just a little bit, you know, just allowing myself a little bit more recovery and, and a little more. Um, slack when it comes to this kind of stuff.
0: I love it. I love it. And people who listen to this show know this because predominantly amateur runners listen to this show. So they can definitely, definitely experience that on a daily and weekly basis. And they can certainly know where you're coming from when you say that. So think back to last year around this time, how were you picturing 2023 to go in just in terms of race selection and how you were segmenting the year as your first full year post-college and not having the rhythms of the, the indoor-outdoor cross-country cycle just embedded into your calendar.
1: Yeah, so at this time last year, we were like, okay, well, we're you know 30 or so seconds off from the OTQ, so obviously like a marathon is going to be the target. And so um, we just worked back from the marathon. We picked Grandma's because we knew it's, it's a great course. There's a lot of qualifiers there every year. Um, and then we kind of worked backwards from there it's hard because again, I'm used to racing every other week and that kind of stuff. And so it's weird being like, okay, like I'll put in maybe like a half marathon, you know, a few months out, two months out or something like that, six weeks out. And then, you know, maybe I'll do a 10K like road race a little bit before that. And it's just like, it is weird having to not race as much. It's also nice, but um, yeah, it was definitely very new for me last year. And so the The focus was mainly just on running that grandma's marathon.
0: So what's it like losing that racing experience? Like, does it still so ingrained in you because you've done it for so many years in a row leading up to this year that you don't need to, like, build up that muscle? Right. Because we all know that racing is different than even the best workout. Right. It's just a different experience, especially in that last, you know, 2% of the time that you're out there, no matter no matter the distance of the race, right? So, um, you know, how would you say that you handled racing when you weren't racing as much and was that something that you needed to to refine or like, you know, kind of strengthening the racing muscle along the way?
1: Yeah, I think it is I think this is good for me cuz I think it made me um practice some some better habits, right? I think that, you know, racing every other weekend races became like not that big of a deal. But when you graduate, you're like, okay, like I'm spending my own money to get out to this race. And, um, I'm only racing like once a month max to do, to do. Right. And so, um, at first it was hard because these races became way bigger of a deal. And so it became a little less like, I just couldn't be as loose as I would have been in some other races. Right. And then you're like, Oh, well, um, you know, I blew this race. Okay. So that was a lot of money and, and stuff like that. And so I think that me trying to, me changing my perspective on that and kind of get to a place where it's like, listen, like I'm doing this for fun. This is just like a nice little thing to get the legs rolling, to get that like competitive juices flowing. And, you know, whatever I run, it doesn't really matter that much. Right. We're, we're out here for the experience and not necessarily anything besides that. And so um, that mindset shift, I think really has helped me kind of, um, adapt to the the less races throughout the year. All right, I want to take
0: a quick break. First of all, to talk about VDOT. VDOT 2 is fantastic. It's a wonderful service, especially for runners. So if you're a runner out there and you are trying to coordinate your running Maybe you're not coach, you're self but you want to find a place to organize all your stuff, to look, have it look as professional as possible, and to get assistance with what training paces to use. B.02 is where it is at. I love this stuff. I coordinate my own running through there. In addition to that, you also can see different pace settings. So once you have... A good, um, a good idea what your fitness is. You plug it into the V. 2 system. It can tell you what your threshold pace is, your marathon pace, your half marathon pace, your 5K interval pace, all of that stuff. And you can set up the workouts exactly how you want them. And you can then load the workouts into your watch, whether it's Coros Garmin or your Apple Watch. In addition to that, it goes the other way too. Once you do your workout, it uploads right to Dot. It's all saved there and you can look at all the data. It's such a great service. In addition to that, 14-day free trial if you use code Rambling at checkout. And you can save 20% at v.o2.com using code Rambling today. Also want to give a shout-out to John G. Winter is here, and I got my favorite attire. Let me tell you my favorite attire is for winter running. Simple. The Mercury jogger pants, the waffle shirt, and the Zephyr wind jacket on top. I've been rocking that in the 30-degree weather range. You know, sometimes a little bit more than 30, sometimes a little bit less, but that is my go to. In addition to that, a five year run guarantee. Go to johng.com, use code RAMBLING, say 15% on not only the best running attire I've ever worn, but stuff that's going to last you forever. This stuff is fantastic. Again, johng.com using code RAMBLING today. All right, we can start with grandmas, but if you want to expand it past grandmas to some of the other races, even CIM last year, like what's it like racing for like, I want to reach top fitness, right? I want to get the most out of myself on that day with the eye of like, that's probably close to the OTQ time because it just happened to those, those two things happen to converge, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to in high school and college where it's like, Hey, I'm racing to win. Like the time is secondary. Most of the time, like I'm racing for place. I'm racing to win. I'm racing for team points right? So these are not necessarily, I mean, you can get your most out of yourself in both scenarios, but those are inherently different things.
1: Yeah. I think that again, it's just like something that you could rely on, um, you know, collegiately that you can't necessarily rely on, um, post collegiately. Right. If I was ever falling off the time in a race like that, I'm like, Hey, well, like I got to get points, right. Or I got to finish good for my team or score or whatever. Right. And so that was something that always was like super fun or like, you know, conference meets. You were like, okay, like time doesn't necessarily matter. We're just going out. It's like a championship style race. That's like the funnest type of race. Cause you don't even care how fast you go out. If it's too slow, too fast. Cause you're just, you're in it. Right. And so, um, it's weird, but I, it's not something that I think freaked me out too much just because running is already like such an individual sport. Um, even with the team aspect, right. I think that, um, you're always thinking like, oh man, like I want to run faster than I've ever ran before. And I think that's, that's not something that was foreign to me.
0: And how about, this is more of like a year in review. These are more like year in review type questions than like kind of going race by race. But you know, I've been at CIM many times. I was there this year. I was one of the aid station workers at the McCurdy Micro Marathons. Like I was able to see this in person. What's it like instead of competing with the people around you to legitimately be working with them, right? Like, it's better if we all succeed like this is not a competition i'm not racing you specifically in fact if you do better it might help me do better because we can run together kind of vibe what was it like putting yourself in that environment
1: oh it's crazy because i mean every single marathon has been like this and i remember at cim my very first cim i'm out there and i finished that race and like the marathon is like a gentleman's race like it's like everybody's (laughs) like hey watch out for this pothole oh does anybody need water or oh i got martin you know they're like Everybody's sharing. Everybody's like, "Oh yeah, you can move in. Go ahead." It's and then you know, I'm not used to that at all. You know, we're I was used to shoving and pushing and elbowing. Yeah, I and gotta get to this water jump first, man. I can't be in yeah. the back of here. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I like it a lot because it's like it's a little less stressful. And and you know, in cross country and 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 track, the races are just brutal. People are shoving you, people are pushing you. And whereas in these kind of road races, especially the marathon, it's like everybody is like taking a breath together. And everyone's like, all right, let's do this. And I think that makes the energy like great. Like the energy at CIM, every single year, everybody's like, all right, let's get this. Like, let's all do it together. Everybody, it's just great. I I love it. I think it's a, that's one of the reasons why I kind of decided to stick with, you know, doing the marathon and and running is just because it's like, it doesn't feel as cutthroat. It just feels more, it feels more fun. And the vibes just feel better overall.
0: And were you able to connect? either in person and or uh, remotely and on social media with some of the other people who were in and around that OTQ group over time, especially after a few races where um, you're kind of
1: identifying, here are the people who were close. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's kind of funny because I call it like the OTQ tour because I did, I did CIM, I did Grandmas, I did McCurdy, and then I did CIM again. So it's just like all races that like have big groups of people going for the OTQ. And it's funny because you see people And you're like, Oh yeah, I saw saw you at CIM or I saw you at grandma's and we're like, all right, we're going to do it this time. And then, you know, you kind of lose track of if they did it. And then you see them at the next race and like, okay, well this time we're going to do it. And it's kind of, it's fun for sure because you, um, you start to recognize people and then you start cheering for people. There was a lot of people at CIM this year where they saw me and they were like, Oh, I did it. Like, how did you end up? And you know, it's, it's always so fun to see um, you know, people who you've been in it with, especially for multiple races, like finally do it, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's like a, it's a fun little family that we got going on, I would say. Now, is there,
0: is there connection points between the races? And maybe it's not like connection points. I mean, that's not the better, the bright term. Like, do you follow these people on Strava? Are you kind of like... And just like from afar, like looking at your training, looking at their training, seeing how it aligns, um, to say nothing of like potential communication, but just like overall kind of taking a temperature of the room in regards to how these other people who are peers of yours are handling their business.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that social media is like a big thing. It's super easy to connect. And anytime I see someone at a race and, um, you know, we're always DMing on Instagram and then you see stories of like workouts and stuff like that. And, you know, it's easy to be just, you know, shoot a message like, hey, you're looking fit, like, I'll see you there or whatever, or, you know, when someone announces a race, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to CIM, you know, it's super easy to be like, hey, like, I'm going to be there, too. Like, let's work together. I'll see you there. I received lots of DMs and even emails of people being like, hey, I'm going to CIM, like, let's find each other. Let's work out together and and, and that kind of stuff. And um, again, that's just why I love the whole, like, marathon community, because it's really cool. It's a cool thing. All right, and we don't have to dive
0: into each race. You put out great videos on these things, so I would advise anyone if they want to get a better handle. Like, all right, how did the first and second CIM go? How did Grandma's go? How did the McCurdy Micro Marathon go? Go to Adam's YouTube page. You'll be able to see for yourself. We don't have to recount all of them here, but like, just kind of going chronologically a little bit. You know, describe a little bit of what happened at at Grandma's, and more importantly, what you took from that experience that could help you moving forward.
1: Yeah. So Grandma's was it was an interesting race because this was the first race I think that my like social media platform actually was like on my mind at least a little bit right before that I was just posting on TikTok and Instagram and all that kind of stuff and I didn't really have a following whatsoever right and then all of a sudden it it exploded that spring as I was kind of getting ready for this grandma's marathon and so um There was an added pressure at grandma's being like, oh, hey, like, there's a lot of people who are cheering me on and stuff like that. And I liked it. And I I think that parts of it helped me for sure. Um, But grandma's marathon, I went out, I ended up DNFing. I think that was more of a fueling type deal just because I didn't get my first bottle. I missed, there was like, one of my aid stations, I missed a bottle, first one, second one, my bottle wasn't there third one, it wasn't there. And then finally the fourth one, it was there. So that's like 12 miles into the race before I got like any real nutrition. And I think that really, um, that like pay, played its, its part in, in kind of how I ended that. Yeah. So, um, but it was good. I think that I learned that, uh, bottles are important. Nutrition is important. And most of all, I think I learned how to kind of, um, juggle the whole like social media thing I had going on, as well as the race thing and how they actually like affect each other. And so I, after that race, I was much more cognizant of kind of how they intertwined and affected each other for sure.
0: Yeah. this is a great point because this is something that a lot of runners, whether they're people, my pace, people, your pace, or the best runners in the world, you know, being able to tell stories about our running can be so valuable. People love it and it can really connect us to the running community at large. At the same time, it's also a time commitment, it also requires mental energy and a, a mm-hmm. thoughtful approach, which isn't necessarily something that can just be left outside the door when it's time to go running or or when we're racing and things like that so learning that learning to how to work through that process is understandable because I mean, you know people I know people who are who are professional runners who like actively don't want to engage with that because of the mental strain and responsibility that can come with that so after grandma's When did you decide to run McCurdy Micro and how did you approach the content creation aspect of this that you felt like it was potentially amplifying your running experience and not necessarily like drawing energy away from your running experience?
1: Yeah, so I knew pretty quickly um, that McCurdy would be the next one just because it was either that or Chicago. And I knew at McCurdy I was guaranteed bottles. So, and I think they uh, announced it what late July is when they made the announcement about it. Yeah, they did. So, I and I knew there was no cap on the field and all that stuff. And I knew that it was just an event centered around the OTQ. And so it sounded perfect, right? Um, and the guy who, uh, is putting on the race. I know that he really loves running and he, he does. He's a good friend of mine. I'm actually
0: one of the McCurdy trained coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I've known James for a long time.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I really trusted him because I know that he was doing his research on best place, best time of year, all that kind of stuff. And so to me that it just, it just made sense. Right. Um, and then after that, it was like, okay, like I started my YouTube channel and started posting on TikTok and Instagram. And I think that the kind of stuff that i changed was how i talked about like my running and how i talked about my goals. I mentioned this in a video, but um most of my content had been around like OTQ or bus basically. It was like i'm going for it, right? And i think that that's like a good mindset to have um especially like in training cuz that's something that gets me like really motivated, right? And gets me really excited. But i think when it comes to getting closer to the race, i it, you have to you have to pivot your mind from like OTQ or bus or like all right we are going to go out there and we are going to try our best and whatever happens happens and I mean even at McCurdy I still struggled with that a little bit but um it's it's weird putting your training on social media it's weird having people actually care about like what you're putting up you know there was most of it was positive for sure but there's just so many people out there who are like why are you working out like that or why do you eat like that or you know just you know criticizing everything you do. And it's hard because when you're first on social media, you take all these compliments, right? And you just take them and you're like, Oh yeah, that that's nice. That I, I identify with that, right? And if you get in the habit of identifying with comments that are positive, your first initial reaction is to also identify with the negative comments as well, right? Great point. Great and point. so I was doing that for a little bit where I would, you know, be happy with these positive comments and then someone would be like, Oh, you suck. And then I would just be like, Oh man, I do suck, right? And so it's just like it's just something you have to remind yourself. And it's, it's, it's a funny little thing. um. You know, you wouldn't think that it affects you that much. because, are like, oh, it's the internet and stuff like that. But I mean, especially on TikTok and Instagram, where your videos get like millions and millions of views. And there's like hundreds of 1000s of comments. It's like, there's a lot of people out there who have thoughts on what you're doing, right. And you just got to be careful on how you take them. So
0: McCready Micro Marathon was a unique thing. It was Mm -hmm. purely the men's and the women's side, focused on getting the OTQ time. Pace groups were there. It was a loop course around a lake in New York, very flat course, pristine weather conditions, Bottle services galore. Um, A really unique situation. Again, it was fun to watch in person because it just had a swarm of people, right? Like, I'm getting this time. There was a couple of people scattered here and there if they're a little bit ahead of the time. But for the most part, 90% of the athletes there are in the men's or the women's OTQ group, and that's the whole field, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to me about what it's like if you're part of that group and you basically start to detach off the back, right? Because, like, this is the whole field, right? Like, you're watching potentially, like, the race go out in front of you. What's it like to stay mentally engaged at that moment, considering, like, this isn't the college experience of, like, If As long as I get, as long as I stay ahead of that person from Utah, like we're going to win.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Like how do you handle that experience of like, okay, I'm now getting detached, but I need to stay in the game.
1: Yeah. It's, it was hard for sure. Especially since again, it's basically, it was a time trial type situation, right? People were just there to run the times. And it's weird too, when you're in this group and you're falling off and there's actually like a decent amount of people falling off. But you have people who know that like, okay, I could run at CIM. And so it's like, a lot of people, as soon as they start to fall off or things like that, they would just cut it, right? I myself included ended up doing that. But it's weird, because, you know, you're running, you're in a group, you're falling off, but you're kind of still in a group. And then, you know, the group thins out even more. And you're looking around and you're like, where is everybody that I was just with, right? And so it's a weird dynamic, for sure, because it's just, it's just weird. You just know you have another shot at it and you're falling off and it's not like a major marathon or like a CIM where it's like a big deal to even finish, right? It's like it's it's just weird. So, you know, you get to that point and you're like, "Dang, like I have 7 weeks till CIM. Can I like even handle running a whole entire marathon and like trying to like build back up into something another marathon that's like so short away?" So, that's where my mind went too for sure. I was like, okay, I'm going to cut it. It's like not happening. I'm trying to, I'm trying my best to not even think about how I'm feeling and just stick with the pace, stick with the pace, stick with the pace. But you know, it was, it was hard for me. I was like, you saw, I saw my family my family was there every lap and I'm looking at my wife. I'm like, dude, what do I do? I literally asked, I was like, what do I do? Like, do I keep going or do I stop? Like I could finish, I could keep going, but like, I'm like my, my hips hurting right now. You know, I'm just like, I don't want to. I wanna have another go at this, right? And so it, it was a weird and hard experience for sure. Um, but it was I think it was a good one too, because I think it going into CIM, it was like a reminder of like, okay, like no matter what happens, like you finish because um this is like it's a marathon, it's a big marathon, it's a lot of people are out there and um have fun, right? Not it's not a time trial, it's it's just go out there and, and do your best, right? Yeah, and you talked
0: a lot in the videos about how, basically, your feelings going into that race in terms of, like, maybe being a little overcooked for McCurdy. So, can you talk to me like what you learned, and you can include your coach in this as well if you want, um, not to speak for him necessarily, but, you know, what did you learn about that training cycle and getting ready for that race that will help you uh, in the future, like, for, say, 2024 and beyond, you know, get, get ready for a big race like that?
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, if we just look at all my past marathons, th- my very first marathon, it was like, my build was a struggle because I was working and I was running. And that was the first time I'd ever done that. And i had also just gotten married. So I was like balancing all these like things outside of my life that are important. They're very important things, right? And also trying to run. So I think that build, I didn't even average. I didn't average a lot of mileage. My workouts were spotty. Some weeks, I'd only get one workout a weekend. It was just like not the most perfect build and then every build after that became more perfect right more mileage more volume type workouts more i would say my training became like more professional-esque right because we were like okay like we just got to get so fit that like even on a bad day i could still like maybe pull away with otq right and so um McCurdy was kind of like the culmination of that. I went on like a little training camp to Flagstaff. I was, you know, I work from home, so it it was nice at that point. And it definitely like highest mileage I've ever ran, hardest workouts I've ever done, and I was feeling really good about it. But I just think that it's like it was too much for me, especially with all this other just life stuff. I just think it was too much. And so yeah, I showed up to McCurdy tired. I like the first lap of that race, I was like, dang, I'm really tired. What is going on right now? And I, I was like, hey, I can't even be thinking about how I'm, how I'm feeling right now. It's way too early to be thinking about how I'm feeling. So I kind of just try to shut my mind off and keep going. But, um, yeah, I think that's why I think now that my training needs a little bit of, of an adjustment to be more friendly to like the nine to five marathoner. And because you know I'm, I'm not a professional marathoner, and and I want to train like one, right? But, um, yeah, it's important to to be gracious with your body. And I kind of. I tried to do that at, uh, CIM and I think I did a really good job at, you know, listening to my body, you know, um, being cognizant of all the stuff that I'm trying to balance and work with and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it showed cause I finished that one and, you know, blew up towards the end a little bit, but, um, I showed up feeling great and I was, I felt great basically the whole time until the very end. So
0: yeah, you stayed on pace right until like the last couple of miles. So kudos to you and you described it great. You described it really well like like just literally the wheels falling off and a lot of people who are listening to this have had this experience of like hey like if i go a little too like to the right or left here on this turn like it all like it all could come crashing down like my, mm-hmm. my stride is gone right there's one little hill yeah. like i don't have i don't have I, as you put it like walking this tightrope. right yeah. and like yeah, people have experienced that and like whether it's cramps or fatigue or all these other other factors and it really is you uh something that is a unique experience when you're going through it, but affects so many people, especially when you push yourself to the limit. I would love to know just in terms of your training how it's evolved and how it's going to continue to evolve. Obviously, you started this marathon cycle a year and a half out. you know basically right out of college it's been a year and a half since you graduated, but your college experience was really speed focused and it was you're, you're a steeplechaser but you're doing a lot of track stuff mm-hmm. right you're you're i'm sure putting in a ton of miles and you probably had a great aerobic base but it was a very speed focused thing right like you were fit and fast coming out of college now you've gone and done a year of marathon you know, a year and a half of marathoning especially with the last 13 months you've run four marathons right so how has your training evolved from being speed focused and then maybe being more aerobically focused. And at what point can you no longer lean on the speed gained in college and have to kind of bring that back in, or has that already always been a focus along the way?
1: Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because that's definitely something that we're trying to bring back. When I first graduated and I was first like starting to train for my first marathon build, I would have workouts like eight by eight hundred, like Yasso eight hundreds. And I was like, I'm not even afraid of this because back in my BYU days. I could do six 800s at like 210 pace, you know, and just ripping, right? And so, um, but I got, I was really scared of like these like 12 mile tempos and these, you know, these like longer-esque stuff. And so it's funny because even the past year and a half that I've been kind of doing this marathon stuff, it's slowly changed. Now I'm like afraid of track stuff and I'm like, I don't even know if I can hit these paces. And whereas like, I'm like, oh yeah, I can go run. 14 miles at marathon pace, like no problem, you know? And so um, I feel like that's something that has kind of, um, I think I was leaning on that earlier on in my races. Like I think CIM, I definitely leaned on that a little bit. And I feel like it's kind of left me kind of like exposed to like, just not being, I like to be a runner of like many talents, good range, lots of tools that I can like use and, and, and stuff like that. And so I have noticed that like the power in my legs are just like not what they used to be, which is crazy because I'm sounding like i'm old and and have been doing marathoning for years, but it's the difference of how fast like my top end speed now versus a year and a half ago is is significant, and I think that um I want to moving forward be more of a balanced runner and be really good at all those kinds of zones so we're we're trying to right now we're going into kind of like a track roads like shorter season and then you know once i like feel like my speed I, once i feel like my speed is in a good spot then we'll look at okay like what when's the next marathon and we can kind of go from there right so definitely trying to be more balanced going up going going on now so
0: well it makes a lot of sense right because you had like this overcompensation to the one way when you're in college mm-hmm. not overcompensation but you were training for the races you were doing
1: very right? specific but yeah. then
0: you had the kind of like really swing at the pendulum the other way to Mm -hmm. compensate for your weaknesses, comparatively speaking, your weaknesses compared to like some of the strengths that you had to make up for that. So that you could be the best marathon you could be. But now it seems like you're at the point where you can kind of like just move forward of like, okay, I have this really fantastic aerobic base that I've built. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm not that far removed from my college track days. That can come back very quickly as studies have shown and as runners have shown in the past. So it does seem like you can kind of approach 2024 as just like okay I can just approach this like what's the best way for me to train for a marathon I no longer have to compensate for um past experiences.
1: Yeah, that, that I mean that's exactly. It. You you nailed it. And so yep, that's the focus and it's hard too because in school, you know, we had time to lift. We had a weights coach. We had all these things, right? And so trying to find like time for strength training that's going to help kind of support the the higher intensity stuff and and you know keep me injury free and that kind of stuff is, is also another thing that, you know, you just got to kind of figure out and sprinkle in your training as as best you can. So beyond just being
0: this balance runner that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you said, I want to do things that excite me, that that was your goal post-college. So what excites you for like the next year, year and a half that you want to make sure it goes on your calendar?
1: Yeah. The nice thing is, is I'm definitely in like, I'm in a better spot than when I was like, with like the whole running thing mentally right now than I was back then. So now it's like, everything excites me, right? I want to run another marathon and I want to run a PV and you know, um, I also like want to hop back on the track. My wife, she graduated this past spring and she's not going to the marathon or anything yet. She's sticking onto the track and stuff like that. So that gets me excited too, because now we're going to be able to go to these races together and we're going to be able to, you know, try and get PRs and and that kind of stuff. So, um I guess right now in the immediate future what um excites me is is some track, some track stuff. I feel like I got some unfinished business on the track and you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll hop in a steeple chase and, and that kind of stuff, but um actually I probably will. But I want to run a 5K. I've never ran a track 10K, so I'll probably do that as well, a nice little fun debut. So, um yeah, and then I want to I also like want to show up to these road races and you know just compete as well because i think road races are um, especially like during the summertime the whole little circuit that goes on it could be a fun little um way to get competitive again in these races so
0: absolutely adam thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking all about your running journey especially the last year and a half or so if people want to engage with the stuff that you're putting out in the different mediums where where should they go
1: yeah so Um, my YouTube is Adam wood runs. Um, my Instagram is the woods run that's mine and my wife's Instagram. So that's kind of where we post all our running stuff because on our normal Instagram, we have, you know, people who don't want to see like our constant running content. So the woods run on Instagram and then it's just Adam wood on TikTok. So
0: I love it. And I'll have links to all of this in the show notes, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.